Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11? Want to review some things? I have the itch, I guess, to get back into teaching along the lines of faith. Something I know that uh, we've done a little bit here. Somewhat, anyhow. But how many of you know that we need to hear these things constantly? Constantly, absolutely. And I'm sure you've noticed that we've been teaching along those lines somewhat. We're just going to keep on going over these truths over and over and over and over and over again until they become more real to us. Is that okay? And more, uh, you know, more alive within our spirits. Amen. Is that okay? Do I have your permission? Now remember, you said I have your permission to do that, so I can do it. Amen. Father, we come before your presence to study your word. We know that your word teaches us that without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we cannot know the things that pertain to your kingdom. And so we open up our hearts, and so we invite the ministry, the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to lead us, to guide us into all truth, to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness, that we may grow and wax strong in spirit, that we may develop in every area of our lives. We thank you that your word, dear Father God, has been tested and tried and found to be good and trustworthy and true. We thank you also, dear Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost, that I may boldly proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit. That our faith would stand not in men's wisdom or human philosophy, but in the power of the living God and resurrected Christ. We thank you for these things, dear Father God, and we bless you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In verse 1 we read, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, we said that faith, if you notice that word substance over there in verse 1, it's the substance of things hoped for. It's the ultimate reality that underlies every outward manifestation or change. Talking about faith. In other words, the world that we see, the world that we live in, was not made by things that do appear. It's hard for us to grasp that, but nonetheless, it's true. The world that we see has truth and reality, but it's not ultimate reality. See, ultimately, we must understand that the spirit world brought this world into being. This world is here as a result of the spirit world. Heaven and earth can pass away, but things are going to still go on. Because God's God. He's a spirit. Amen? Amen? And there is a spirit realm. There is a spirit world. So that world brought this world into being. But because we are confined to a physical body... It's hard for us to begin to look into the spirit realm. That's why the Bible says that the walk of faith is one of looking not at the things that are seen, but things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal or subject to change, and the things that are not seen are eternal. They're not subject to change. 
That's what Jesus meant when he said, heaven and earth, they could pass away. My words will not. Why? Because my words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit. Spiritual things will never pass away. And they are life. So it's important that we understand then that faith is what upholds that tree out there on the property. Faith is the ultimate reality that underlies that manifestation that we call a tree. And everything else that God brought into being, He did. He brought into being through faith. Through faith, in verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear or things that are visible. So invisible things brought visible things into this realm in which we live. So again, the life of faith is really having the ability to look beyond the natural world. To look into the supernatural world. And then through faith, making contact with the creator of the world. And then affecting change in this natural world in which we live. And Jesus proved that when he cursed the fig tree. He spoke to it. The words that he spoke were powerful. Powerful words that reached the very heart of that tree, the root. It began to dry up, withered away, and died. Words are powerful. This is what the life of faith is all about. So, faith, we can say, then involves our words. And as we continued our study, we said faith also involves the condition of the heart. Faith involves the words that we speak, and it also involves the condition of the heart. It's possible to speak right words, yet not have the heart's involvement. If the heart is not involved with what we are saying, then there's not going to be a whole lot of creative ability that is released. If the heart is not involved in what we are saying, there's not going to be enough, let's say, ability to destroy a sickness or a disease. It's not all just based on words. It's the spiritual force that flows from the heart of a man that's reunited with God in relationship and fellowship, spoken forth in faith, releasing the ability of God to affect change, whether it be good or bad. Good things can be the result and bad things. Good power, power to create, also power to destroy, to curse. Jesus cursed the fig tree. He didn't say He blessed it. The tree wasn't blessed, was it? No, the tree was cursed. He spoke words to destroy or to kill, to bring death to that tree. And, of course, we understand that things like cancers and tumors and all that, they're not good. They destroy us. And so before they destroy us, we want to destroy them through what? Through faith. Believing God. Cursing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well... Jesus said it's, it's possible for us to honor God with our lips or words while our hearts are far from Him. If you recall reading Matthew 15, Jesus said, yes, 
to the people. He said, you honor me with your lips or you honor God with your lips. He says, but your heart is far from me. And what that reveals to us is the fact that the heart must be dealt with in a proper way in order to have a right confession of the heart. We say things with our lips and they can be right things, right words, the Word of God. But if the heart has not been developed, if the heart has not been changed, educated in the Word, built up in faith, empowered by the Spirit, then we don't have the heart's involvement as we should. And here comes the diligent part of our walk with God. We must be diligent to affect change within our hearts. Why? So that the issues of the forces of life can pour forth out of our spirit. If you're looking for something easy, you've come to the wrong place. It's not easy. If you're looking for something magical, you've come to the wrong place. It is not magical. If you're looking to put forth effort and energy that's going to produce great gain in your life and also enhance the kingdom of God upon this earth, you've come to the right place. And your ears are hearing truths that will not only make you free, it'll enable you to set the captives free also. So we must understand, beloved, that it's going to take work. And make note of this. There is a confession of the heart. There is a confession of the mouth. When these two harmonize and both embrace the Word of God, then we're going to have change to take place in this realm in which we live. Then we are going to experience reality with God. Then creative ability is going to flow forth in such power and might that things are going to happen. So there's a confession of the heart. There's a confession of the mouth. These two must harmonize and both embrace the Word of God. The right motivation of heart. The right attitude of heart. Speaking forth the right thing based on the Word of God. And then creative ability is released and wonderful things happen. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. And we'll continue with our study. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Once again, if we are looking for something magical, if we're looking for something simple or easy, we've come to the wrong place. We must understand that we have a part to play in this. It requires diligence on the part of the believer. Why? Because our spirits are exposed to both good and evil. And as a result, if we don't protect our heart diligently, wrong words can build within us weakness and defeat. And when that happens, there will not be a powerful release of God's creative ability through our lives to affect change. But if we'll recognize that we have adverse forces coming against our spiritual condition to weaken us in spirit, and then do something to prevent that from happening, then God's power will become more active within our lives. It will flow forth from our lives it will accomplish the purpose of God in our lives and also through our lives. And that's why we see here Proverbs 4, verse 20, 
what is being spoken and said. My son, attend to my words. In other words, give your undivided attention to my word. Put the word first in your life. Put God's word first. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Listen to what I have to say. How many of you know that hearing is not an easy thing? Now, I don't know about you fellows out there, but I know about me. So I can tell off on me, and if you're honest, you can tell off on yourself. My wife will tell me to go to the store and get this, 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 and this. Say, okay, honey, get in the car. Run. I, no sooner I get up to the store, I'm at the phone. You want to repeat that? I told you to get this, 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 and this. I've learned to do things different way. I now number them. One, two, three, four, five. Five things I have to get. And still sometimes there's a struggle. <laughs> you know. But the thing was, I looked at her, looking right at her. I heard what she said, but I didn't really hear. They just kind of darted through my mind, raced through my mind. Got in a car, thought about something else that I was thinking about. When I got up there, I couldn't tell you the first thing she said to get. Maybe I got one out of five. I don't know. That's not a very good percentage, is it? I've gotten, I've become better. You know, I've learned to listen a whole lot more. And that's what I'm trying to communicate. The fact that we're not good listeners. And I'll be quite frank. In order to be a good listener, to hear properly, accurately. The Bible said, Jesus said himself. Take heed as to what you hear and take heed as to how you hear or the way you hear things. So what we hear and the way we hear it is important to our life of faith. If we're not listening carefully, if we're not being attentive, we're going to miss here. We're not going to hear the things properly. And what happens is the enemy can come along, you know, and give that what was said a different slant. And you don't hear it properly. You don't hear it accurately. And you go off and do something that, that God really didn't want you to do or motivated by a wrong attitude. For an example... Remember one individual coming up to me and, and just sharing with me how it was my fault that he lost everything that he has. And I said, well, how is it my fault that you lost everything that you had? He said, well, I heard you teaching along the lines of faith and believing God for your finances and all that and how we have to sow to reap. And if you don't sow, you're not going to reap. And you have to give. If you don't give, you're not going to receive. It's the, it's the law of sowing and reaping and, you know, and that sort of thing. And, you know, when you teach along those lines, those are truths, without a doubt. So the fellow said, I felt the more I gave, if I gave it all, I'd get back, even that much more. So the fellow gave everything he had away. And you know what? Didn't get anything back. And I said, you say that's my fault. It's my fault because you misheard. See, if you're more concerned about pleasing God and walking with God, and more motivated by love instead of greed... Uh-oh. Then you wouldn't have misheard. Because I never said go give all that you have to get more. And get as much as you possibly can. To be greedy. Didn't say that. Said this, these are spiritual laws and they don't work overnight. You begin with small things and you build up to big things. Start at the bottom rung of the ladder and then get to the top. You have to hear properly and accurately. If you're motivated by greed, then my goodness, it's not going to work for you. You have to be motivated by love. You love God. You want to serve God. You gave up all those things for the wrong motive, for the wrong reason. If you do it for the right reason, Jesus himself said, and he guaranteed it, you'd receive back a hundredfold in this life. Didn't he say that? 
I believe what he said is true. What about you? Absolutely. So it's important that we properly hear. So my son, attend to my words and incline thine ear unto my sayings. And take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear it. Because if we hear wrong or mishear, then we can start operating in things in an improper way. And it's not going to do us any good. So then he goes on and says, Let them not, not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Now, is this because he's a slave driver? Is God saying that to us because he's a slave driver and wants us to be constantly in the Word, listening to his Word, being attentive to his Word, because he wants us to do it you know, so that we can do, can't do anything else? Is that what he's saying? He's a slave driver. He's got a whip up there. And if you do something apart from the Word, smack, you've got it. No, it's because he knew the effect the fall had on the spirit, the soul, and the body of man. He knew that darkness was gross darkness in the mind of a man when he lost the light of the knowledge of God. And he also knew as long as we are in this realm of life, in, in this world, that we're going to be exposed to the world system and the lust thereof. And we're going to hear all kinds of voices out there telling us to do all kinds of different things based on everybody else's desires and expectations for our lives. Now, you can say amen to that or oh my, but it's true. And so he knew that the only way we are going to be properly schooled in the Word of God is to keep that Word constantly before us because our human reasoning and physical evidences will always take us away from the Word of God. How many of you found that out? If you acted on your human reasonings and if you acted on your physical evidences and circumstances, They'll always distract you and take you away from the Word of God. And you'll find yourself doing things the wrong way, acting the wrong way, saying the wrong things, and all that. Absolutely. So that's why he's saying, look, it's a constant thing and it's a diligent thing. You've got to constantly flood yourself with my Word. Hear it and see it, speak it and say it, because faith comes that way. That's giving attention to the Word of God. And do you know, that doesn't mean you have to walk around with the Bible in your hand. Be like the psalmist. He said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Amen? Doesn't mean you have to walk around with a Bible in your hand like this all the time. Hide the word in the heart, then meditate it. See, it's on the inside. Meditate it. Then, at opportunities and opportune times, get the word and put it before your eyes. But in, in reality, when it says before your eyes, it's talking about before your understanding. In your understanding. Get rid of the human reasoning and put the Word of God there before your mind. Keep it there in the mind before your understanding. Why? Human reasoning will always override the Word of God. That's why, for the most part. We walk by faith, not by sight. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Why? Because God's ways and man's ways are far apart. Amen? So then he goes on to say, keep them in the midst of thine heart. In other words, in, have an enshrining heart. Your heart enshrines the Word of God. 
God's Word then now is finding its way into the heart to have its effect and do its work upon the heart of the man. Why? Because that's where all the action takes place. That's where all the activity takes place. We have the life of God within us. But we build upon that by getting the Word into us. Faith cometh by hearing. To have faith in different areas, we must have the Word in different areas. We must know what God said. Jesus said, My words, they are spirit and they are life. They are containers of spirit life. We can't have faith for something if we don't know what the Word says and if we don't put that Word in our hearts. We can't just know it intellectually. That's mental assent. That's just mentally agreeing with the Bible. We must know what the Word said, then do our part to attend to the Word, incline our ear to what He said, keep it before our eyes or our understanding, and then allow it to get into our hearts. Why? Then those words become active, alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, operative, energizing. For my words are containers of spirit life. Then something begins to take place. The heart then is filled with or full of the Word of God. And then out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? It speaketh. That's called faith. And then creative ability is released. Now notice the next verse. Very important. Keep thy heart. Well, let's, let's read verse 22 first. This is what happens. This is the effect. Verse 22. For they are life unto those that find them. And health unto all their flesh. You'll notice that all this must take place before God's words become life unto those that find them. They must be found. You must find them for yourself. I must find them for myself. Now, I can share those truths with you, and you can share certain truths with me. But still, we must find those words for ourselves. Because only I can digest that word for myself and have its reality within my heart and apply its principles to my life. They must be found for me by myself. Even though there's a shortcut because I have shared with you or you have shared with me, it does not mean it's automatically made manifest or it becomes a reality automatically. No. It doesn't matter how we get gain the knowledge. What matters is what we do with that knowledge once we gain it. If we'll meditate the Word, have it become a part of our spirit life, then those words become life to those that find them and then health unto all of their flesh. Then the next verse in verse 23 says, and this is what I wanted to get to, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues or the forces of life. Keep thy heart, or a better way of saying it is, protect your heart diligently. Now, why is he saying that? I know because he's mean, because he has that whip up there. He just wants us to do more work down here. No consideration for all the other things that we have to do. Now I've got to be concerned about protecting my heart. Aren't there times, I'll be quite frank about it, there'll be times you just want to let everything go. 
You get frustrated or you get upset or you may lose your spiritual initiative or all kinds of things are coming against you and you, and you throw your hands up in the air and say, well, my goodness, what's the use? You've been out there. I know you've been there. Amen. I know you've been there. We've all been there. Everyone, now make note of this, at one time or another has had the opportunity to quit. And some more so than others. But everyone. You say, but not brother so-and-so. Oh, come on, be real. I know, they're divine, right? Yeah. Brother, I heard brother John told on me that I'm not divine. And, well, so it's not me. So they're divine, right? They can never make a mistake. I mean, they're never going to you know, want to quit. Come on now. I remember brother Wigglesworth. How many know brother Wigglesworth? We always sometimes hear people say a great man of faith. I like to say that he's a man with the great God. Amen. He had his struggles. And one day just before he departed to be with the Lord, he got to the point of so frustrated with people because he was always carrying them on his faith. He just finally said he gave up the ghost. Just like Enoch got taken, taken off and carried away. I remember reading after Brother E.W. Kenyon. Anybody ever hear of E.W. Kenyon? We have some of his books back there in the library. And reading after him, and, and if you don't read carefully, what you do is you read only the things you want to hear. And you kind of just dismiss other truths or other things that are being revealed. And I'm reading his writing, and, and as I'm reading, um, getting the gist of what he is saying, and he was saying something to this effect. Although I knew what the Word said, and although I knew about my confession of faith, he said, I still couldn't do it. And there were times he just wanted, said it would be better off to go home and be with the Lord. But he realized that he had to stay with it. He recognized he had to continue with his confession of faith until finally it's had, it would have its effect upon his heart and life. And then great things would begin to happen. He says, and although there were times I wanted to quit, although there were times I wanted to give up, I didn't. I refused to give up. I refused to quit. I stayed with the Word of God and continued in it until it became a living thing inside me. And, beloved, there are no shortcuts to that kind of a lifestyle. Did you know that? No shortcuts whatsoever. It requires diligence on the part of the believer. And that's why sometimes it saddens my heart when I hear people say out there, Oh, that stuff just doesn't work. No, that stuff just doesn't work. We've tried that a couple of weeks ago. See, that's the problem. We don't have enough confidence and faith in the Word of God to believe. Really, if you think about it, it's an insult to God. He said it would work, and we go around saying it doesn't work. Or people go around saying that it doesn't work. No, He said it works. He said it's so. The thing is, we have to live up to it. The thing is, we have to do our part. Amen? Now, that's the way it should be, isn't it? I'd rather say it that way than to say, well, no, God didn't really mean that, evidently. Or it's something beyond our reach. No, God didn't put anything beyond our reach. He gave us our full potential. And says, this is what you can attain or to, uh, achieve to. You, you can attain to this. And grow in it. And so that's what, the attitude that we should have. Let's not give up. Wherever you're at in faith, in the development of your heart, stay there and continue growing in it. And developing in it. But protect your heart diligently. Why? Because he goes on to say, because out of it are the issues of life. The forces or the issues of life, the power 
is that which flows out of the human heart, the human spirit that knows God. Our spirit man was recreated. There was an impartation of the power, the life, the nature of God, rather, in the beginning when we first got born again. It knows God. Our spirit man knows God. That's where the action takes place. That's where all activity takes place. There was a, the love of God that was imparted to our spirit. Then we got filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost came into us and we received miracle working power. The power of God is in there. But did you know this? All that power, the character of God, the ability of God, the power of God can lie dormant inside us unless we stir up the things of God by faith. See, that's our responsibility. Unless we protect our hearts diligently and activate those things that are inside of us, they are there, but they don't do us a whole lot of good. That's why he said protect your heart diligently, because you have outside forces that are attempting to build weakness into us, to build defeat into us, to build failure into us. Well, how does this take place? How does this happen? I'm so glad you asked that question. Just so glad. Look at the book of Proverbs. You're, you're in Proverbs chapter 6 here. Go to chapter 18. Either our spirit is going to be strong or our spirit is going to be weak. Based on what? What we put into it or what we allow to affect it. And that's why he said, protect your heart diligently because as out of it flow the issues of the forces of life. What we put into it, whether good or bad, will determine the condition of the heart. Now remember, it's the condition of the heart that either will or will not allow the power of God to flow and creative ability to flow. So that's why he says protect the heart diligently, because out of it flow the issues of life. Verse 14 says, the spirit of a man, but in the Amplified it says, the strong spirit of man. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily trouble, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Now I want you to notice something here. Here we see that there's a way that our spirit man can be strong or our spirit man can be wounded. How many of you know that when you're wounded, you're not all that strong? You can be in a weakened condition through the loss of blood, which is our life source. Now think about it. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So there you are wounded, you lost some blood, and you're in a weakened condition. You don't have that strength, that vigor, that vitality that you need to overcome. If we allow ourselves to become weakened in spirit because we don't protect our hearts diligently, although we try to put forth energy, creative ability, we are unsuccessful in accomplishing great things because of the weakened condition of our spirit. But if the spirit man is diligently protected from all that is without, not allowing it to be weakened, then we're not going to be defeated. We're going to be the overcomers. Well, you say, well, how does this take place? Well, look at verse 18. Or verse 20, rather. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. A man's belly is taught referring to his spirit. His inward part. His spirit man. The hidden man of the heart. 
A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. A man's spirit, in other words, is, in, is affected by words. We're going to see that here. A man's spirit is affected by words. Words can pierce the heart. Words will affect the heart. What we hear, how we hear it, and what we allow those words to do to us will affect us in spirit. And then the next verse says, Well, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Our spirit man will be strong, or it will be wounded, or it will become weak, based on the words that we are listening to, the things that we are hearing, the things that we are exposed to, the things that we are allowing to come into us or have entrance, gain entrance into us. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, if you would, please, with me. The strong spirit of a man will lead him to victory, but the wounded spirit of man will open up the door to defeat. Words are powerful. They are containers. They have an effect upon us in spirit and also in soul. They can cause us to be strong. They can cause us to be weak. We are to protect our hearts diligently because out of the heart comes the issues of life, flow the issues of life. And he said how to do it in the next verse. Put away from you froward tongue and perverse lips put far from you. We protect our hearts from becoming wounded or weakened by watching the things we say and also the things we hear or the things we allow to gain entrance into us to affect us in spirit. And that's how we do it. We protect our hearts by saying that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And I'm not going to allow that to gain entrance in my spirit and affect me, causing a weakened condition in my heart. I just refuse to allow that. Okay. In Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate of righteousness in the natural is referring to the Roman soldier that had his armor on to protect his vital body organs. Because if he did not have that breastplate to protect him when he was off to war, he could be pierced through with the enemy's sword. And when that sword pierces his chest and enters in and through, it can pierce his vital organs, causing great damage and possibly death. Now, we understand that in the natural. That's not a problem. We have no difficulty with that. No problem whatsoever. We know that unless we protect our vital organs, we're going to die. But now listen. There is that speaketh. There is that speaketh. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. There is, Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. We understand in the natural 
the need to protect our vital organs so that the heart is not pierced through with the sword. It'll cause death. But how often we find that many fail to realize that the spiritual organs also must be protected with the breastplate of righteousness to prevent one from being weakened in spirit. That's why the Bible says that we are to take the breastplate of righteousness. Because there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. And when people, when the devil and even believers speak wrong things, say things to you, destructive things, criticisms, all kinds of things. When we allow thoughts to gain entrance, words from the enemy to, that point out our flaws and imperfections and shortcomings and all that, character flaws and, and, and all those things in our lives, what ends up happening? We sometimes verbalize those things even ourselves, agreeing with the fact, yes, we're not all that great. Yes, we can't accomplish this. Yes, it seems like we're never going to get anywhere in God. Yes, it seems like the others are better than I am. And so on and so forth. All kinds of different things. Yes, you did do that last week. Don't you remember what you did and how terrible you were and God's displeased with you? And you find yourself saying, yes, I'm not that great of a Christian. I don't have that kind of great faith. I wish I had great faith, but I don't have great faith. I don't have the potential to have great faith. Blah, blah, blah. And all those words, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Those words... Pierce us in spirit, causing a weakened condition through guilt, fear, condemnation, inferiority, all these different things. Lack of confidence, lack of spiritual initiative is created and developed inside that person's heart life. And then you know what? That person wants to be that great person of faith or that person of great faith in God. And what happens? Not a whole lot of creative ability goes forth because they have no confidence in who they are and, and what they can do. Is it me? Who am I? That's not protecting our heart diligently by keeping on the breastplate of righteousness. If we allow those words to gain entrance, it's a piercing effect and it wounds us in spirit and we have no energy of spirit to produce creative ability. It's important that we understand how to use this breast, breastplate of righteousness in order to do what? Quench these fiery missiles of the devil. See, these words are fiery missiles. And many times we don't view them as such. And as a consequence, we allow them to gain entrance and wound us in spirit. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 54. Are you aware of the fact that Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is sharp and powerful, or is, is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? God's Word is also likened unto a sword. It is the sword of the Spirit that we use, yes, to speak and cut the enemy asunder, but also God's Word can pierce us in heart to affect change in our spiritual condition. 
God's words become life unto those that find them. God's words become health unto all their flesh. And when we begin to allow God's words to have its place, their place within our hearts, what happens is on the inside we are energized. God's word becomes operative, it becomes active, it becomes alive, a living thing. And when that happens, beloved, instead of being wounded in spirit, we become strong in spirit. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him when the enemy attacks. Well, how has this spirit of man become strong? Do you think God, through a weak spirit, brought all the things in this world into visibility? How many of you think He did it with a, with a weak spirit? How many of you think He did it with a wounded spirit? No. He did it with a strong spirit. There is no stronger. He's God Almighty. The omnipotent, all-powerful, living God. And with a strong spirit, he spoke words of faith. Here is a secret to faith. We must maintain a strong spirit. Because the stronger the spirit, the more powerful the creative ability of God that's released through that person's life. Well, how does it become strong then? Well, Isaiah 54 and verse 14 says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. Notice the breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness that is right here over the chest to protect the vital spiritual organs of a man. And here we're discovering that it's being, this is prophecy, it's prophetic, that the believer will be established in righteousness. It is righteousness that causes the spirit of a man to be strong in God. Now think about it. What caused Adam and Eve to be full of fear and shame? To lose their spiritual initiative and ability to use their authority. What was it? Unrighteousness. When they sinned, they fell from the presence of God. And they were full of guilt and shame and condemnation. And they Feared, why? Because God was there. And with that inferiority complex, they had nothing inside them. They lost all that. See, that's what the fall did. Well, what's God's object in redemption? Is to restore relationship. To restore that relationship and fellowship that man fell from and establish him in righteousness, which is the standing that we have before God. To give us back a right standing, a right place of standing before God, so that we have no more sense of what? Sin consciousness, guilt, inferiority, complex, condemnation, and all that. That we can stand before His presence, reunited with Him, Without all this guilt, without this complex, without this condemnation, and be established in righteousness, I stand before you holy, without spot, without blemish, without blame, by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
the believer, he is saying, down in the future, is going to be established in righteousness, which will serve as a breastplate to protect his spirit, his vital spiritual organs, so that they're not weakened, but that they are strong. In righteousness shalt thou be established... Thou shalt be far from oppression. Oppression will weaken the spirit of a man. It will cause him to lose spiritual initiative. The potential is there, but it's dormant. Because oppression has taken the spirit of that man into captivity. For thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together. Oh, he's not saying they won't be around us. They'll all be out there from without. But what he's endeavoring to say is, he's going to remove it from within. When Adam fell, it was all on the inside of him. The sense of guilt and shame and fear and anxiety and condemnation, inferiority. All those things were right there lodged within his heart through separation. So unworthy to be in the presence of God that he feared for his life. But he is saying, you will be established in righteousness. Your standing will be given back and a better standing because it's by the blood of Christ. That will be removed, taken out of you, a new heart put in you, and established in righteousness. He took our sin that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Making us strong in spirit. Thank God. And all these things now will gather around you, but they're no longer in you, in me. Now, they'll try to regain entrance. Now, notice, behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy no weapon. Everyone say no weapon. No weapon. No weapon. Boy, we've got to get that into our hearts, our innermost being. No weapon. It doesn't matter what the weapon is. It doesn't matter what name he places on that fiery missile. It does not matter. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And thus saith the Lord. He said it. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. You ready for this one? And every tongue, and the tongue, words that will go forth as fiery missiles to condemn you, to condemn me, to bring us down, to cause guilt, inferiority, and all these things, every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment shall be brought down and declared to be in the wrong. My goodness. But all you set your hand to do will prosper. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And now listen to this. And their righteousness is of me. And their righteousness is of me. Our standing with God didn't come by anything that we did. I said our standing with God did not come by good works that we did. I'll be quite frank about this also. The kind of person that we were before we got saved wasn't the result of something that we did. But... It fell upon us through sin. Do you understand that? I mean, I wasn't there in the garden. Were you? Were you? 
I'm not that old. I wasn't there in the garden. Believe me. We're a byproduct of, of, of Adam's sin and it fell upon us and, and we're, you know, as a consequence it came upon every single one of us that we have all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Saying so we're, we're, you know, affected by what he did. But thanks be to God Almighty, because he sent Jesus to die for us and because Jesus became sin for us, our righteousness is of him. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. And now those words that are trying to gain entrance to affect us and to wound us, people saying all kinds of different things about us, thoughts gaining entrance into our minds because the devil's speaking all kinds of things about our lives and how we fail to please God and we're not worthy of His love and all that, you know, silly things, and all those silly thoughts He puts into our minds and, and that we sometimes verbalize and should not and others, criticisms and all that sort of thing. We don't have to allow those things to gain entrance into us and all oppressive thoughts and, and all that because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ and we have the breastplate of righteousness on and we're standing before the presence of the Father God. Our standing is perfect. Why? Because we didn't do it. He did it. And it's the blood of Jesus that made us perfect. We have no more conscience of sins. I guess we're just going to have to be those that walk around with no more conscience of sins because the blood of Jesus makes the comers thereunto perfect. That means complete, mature in the sight of God. The way that was lost has been found and the door has been opened and the veil has been removed and by the blood of Jesus we have access to the Holy presence of God without sin, guilt, condemnation, sin consciousness, inferiority or a sense of unworthiness. And so when we say those things, beloved, our spirit man becomes strong and stays strong and it's protected. It's protected, divinely protected by the Word of God. And those other things don't gain entrance into us to bring us down and it causes us to be in a weakened spiritual condition. Now what? Now we can produce or put forth creative ability and power through the words that we speak. Because those words are faith words. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And when we say that, we speak those words out. We set some things in motion that do what? That prevent, prevent things from prospering against our lives. Even when people speak out words against you that you may not even know of, you're not even aware of, as you proclaim that truth, know what before against me can prosper. You know what you're doing? You're shining up your armor. Remember that prophecy? Keep your armor bright and shining and clean. You're shining up your armor. That's what you're doing. You're keeping it bright and shining and clean. It's doing its part. Know what before against me today is going to prosper. Hallelujah. Every tongue that will rise up against me in judgment is condemned. Thanks be to God. And this is my heritage. It belongs to me. It's part of my life because I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And those words will not crush my spirit. And when people criticize you, when people criticize me, as we continue saying those things, no weapon form against us will prosper. Those words have got to fall. They have to be brought down. Do you see that? And the spirit man stays strong. Now, why is it important to keep the spirit strong? Because it's the strong spirit of a man that's going to sustain him. Why is it important to keep the spirit of man strong? Because that's where all the action takes place. And if we want creative ability to flow, it has to come out of a strong spirit. And this is one way the enemy will use to weaken our spirits. But thank God, all we've got to do is study out what the Bible says about righteousness and our standing with the Father God. And when those words come against us, recognize them as fiery missiles of the enemy targeting our spirit life, our condition of spirit, endeavoring to do what? To make us weak in spirit 
so that we cannot put forth the kind of energy that is necessary, the creative ability that is necessary to do what? To affect change, whether it's in our personal lives or in those that are around us. Well, praise God. I don't know about you, but I've done it again. <laughs> I've preached myself happy. <laughs> praise God. I feel like having a, a wonderful confession of faith right now. Say it with me, I'm a child of God. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And no weapon formed against me can prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment is condemned, declared to be in the wrong. Because this is my heritage. For I'm a child of a righteous God. And my righteousness is of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for the breastplate of righteousness. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. It doesn't matter what they say. It matters what God said. Amen. And that's what He said. We are pure, holy, spotless, and clean before the presence of His Lord with exceeding joy. Praise God with exceeding joy because that's what He made us. That's who we are in Christ and that's what we have. That's exciting, isn't it? Hallelujah. If I could have our praises and musicians come up here, please. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.